Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy and friends are resting this week and will return next week. However, we have a leader from our local church community giving today's message. Just going to give you a moment. All those joined us in person and joining us online to practice a moment of silence and solitude before the Lord to allow God to breathe new life into us, to help us get centered, to be able to listen to what he might be trying to say to us. So let's exhale. Just all the inks, automatic thoughts, ruminating, taking control of our mind and our heart and surrender to the Lord. And inhale the presence of God, his transcending peace, and his calling for us. Jesus calling August 14th, Sarah Young. I am yours for all eternity. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is and was and is to come. The world you inhibit is a place of constant changes. More than your mind can absorb without going into shock. Even the body you inhibit is changing relentlessly in spite of modern science's attempts to prolong youth and life indefinitely. I, however, am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because I never change, your relationship with me provides a rock-solid foundation for your life. I will never leave your side When you move on from this life to the next, my presence beside you will shine brighter with each step. You have nothing to fear because I am with you for all time and throughout eternity. All God's people pray. Amen. Let's welcome Paul as he gives us the word today. Hello. 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 Cool. Sound? Okay. Um, So uh, let's put up the first slide. The hashtag blessed. Cool. Um, so last time I spoke about the significance of telling stories uh, to synthesize our experiences by linking them to symbols. And this week I'd like to explore one of the predominant themes in our narratives. And uh, and those are our stories about blessings or about being blessed. And so uh, today we'll ponder together the questions, what do we interpret as being blessed? How do I experience blessing? And then what does it mean for my family to be blessed? And we'll explore this topic by examining the life of Jacob. Um, So the question to start, what is the blessed life? Um, So before we dive into the passage, uh, we need to calibrate our definition of blessing. Um, The word blessing or blessed has made its way into everyday vernacular. Uh, We hear it used just as much in sacred and secular contexts and therefore uh, these days, we use it on social media posts, ranging from everywhere from the mundane to the absurd. And so blessing is often associated with material wealth, health, status, pedigree, other external factors, um, which inevitably leads the Christian to wonder, is the blessed life synonymous with the successful life? Um, is the blessed life what we as Jesus followers imagine to be the good life? Um, a loving marriage? obedient children, a vibrant ministry, a healthy body, 
a successful career, trusted friends, financial abundance. If these are the markers that we associate with a blessed life, then does having all of them translate into an extraordinarily blessed life? If someone had all of those things, would they truly be extraordinarily blessed? Question mark. Uh, next slide. Okay. So it's possible that we've conflated a secular and sacred understanding of blessing. So today I'd like to differentiate the way that we talk about blessing and the way that the Bible talks about blessing, uh, especially if our goal is to adhere to and live out a biblical understanding of what blessing means in our lives. So to get a fuller picture of the word as it's used in the Bible, um, I want to introduce a few points to start and then we'll dive deeper. So there's, a there's several words that are translated uh, to bless in the Bible, but I'm just going to mention two. Uh, the Hebrew word barak or barak means to bless, cause, or to kneel, or to greet, uh, with connotations of bending of the knee to receive a blessing. And we find a similar word in Greek, eulogeo, uh, <laughs> in the uh, New Testament meaning to bless or to speak well of. And each word introduces a different nuance, and we'll get into that later as we explore blessing further. Um, in the English KJV, the word blessed, blessing, bless, is associ and associated words are mentioned 522 times. And in the New Testament, uh, there are 120, 112 references to the word blessed, bless, blessing, none of which are connected with any material prosperity. So given that, Sets a little bit of context, but we'll go and dive deeper. Next slide. So the Bible uh, describes three ways through which we experience blessing. Um, we experience blessing when God blesses man, when man blesses God, and when man blesses man. And I'll quickly describe these three ways and use the story of Jacob to illustrate all three. But um, first off, uh, God blesses man. We experience blessing when God blesses man. And it goes without saying that throughout the Bible, God blesses creation and notably uh, people. The first blessing seen in Genesis 1.22 was to the sea creatures and to the birds. Uh, and God told them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the land. God's blessing is about flourishing and the multiplication of life. Uh, the first blessing to humans occurs shortly after, six verses later, in Genesis 1.28. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and to the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So in this blessing, God continues the be fruitful and multiply blessing given to the sea creatures and the birds, but humans are uniquely given a second blessing. We are appointed as God's Imago Dei to partner with him in the responsibility of rule and oversight. So our blessing is to take care of God's blessing of life and flourishing for all of creation. And this is our calling and calling to be stewards of God's blessing. So when we skim over these passages or uh, read them in isolation, we might be tempted to think that these blessings are a promise from God to do something to creation or to people. But when we consider how these blessings actually play out in the narrative, uh, we, continue, we come to realize that blessings are primarily about what God plans to accomplish through creation and through people, namely through us. Uh, next slide, I want to read a quote. Okay, it's a lot of 
text on the screen. <laughs> um, so bear with me. But uh, N.T. Wright says this about blessings and the Beatitudes. Uh, the notion of blessing itself, blessed are the poor in spirit, the mourners, the meek, and so on. Blessing is primar not primarily about what God promises to do to someone. It is primarily about what God is going to do through someone. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, when God sets up his sovereign rule on earth as it is in heaven, it's the poor in spirit through whom he will do it. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. In other words, when God wants to sort out the world to put it to rights once and for all, he doesn't send in the tanks, as people often think he should. He sends in the meek. And by the time the high and mighty realize what's happening, the meek, because they are thinking about people other than themselves, have built hospitals, have founded leper colonies, have looked after the orphans and widows, and at least, not, uh, and not least, founded schools, colleges, and universities to supply the world with wise leaders. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty for justice, for they, unlike time-serving lawyers who bully witnesses for their own professional kudos, will be a sign of hope in a crooked world. Blessed are the merciful. Notice how Jesus balances out justice and mercy because the vision of a rule of law without exception, needing no divine or royal intervention, is to establish equity is a dangerous oversimplification producing a society without mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers. And if we haven't learned that after the 20th century, what hope can there be? So to reiterate, blessing is not primarily about what God promises to do to someone. It's primarily about what God is going to do through someone. So God in his wisdom chooses to accomplish his good purposes through the hands of creation and through our hands. And so we're simply not witness, so we aren't simply witnesses to God's goodness. We're blessed to become active participants, partnering with God to work on multiplying life. All right, next slide. So going back to Genesis, following God's pronouncement of blessing on Adam and Eve, uh, we come across two trees in the garden. God not only planted the tree of life, but he also planted the tree of the knowledge of good and evil which allows the possibility of living into our blessing of life and abundance on God's terms or seizing abundance on our, own, on our own terms by our own knowledge and by our own means. What does this mean for blessing? Blessing, both in the creation narrative and the Beatitudes, is a foreshadowing of good. It's a vision of flourishing. It's a hope that God desires to achieve through us and places upon the heart of people. When we approach this vision on God's terms, relying on God's abundance, we're able to be the vehicle of God's blessing the way that God intended. But when we aim to achieve this vision on our own terms, apart from God, choosing the tree of knowledge that God said would lead to death, we find that the same vision of abundance quickly becomes a curse. It's a curse because instead of multiplying God's abundance in life, we achieve our own flourishing through means of scarcity, of isolation, conflict, and death. And so humans end up striving after what they think is blessed, but end up hurting and abusing each other. And specifically in the language of Genesis 3, of men, and, of men abusing women and creating painful environments in which children are conceived. So even the blessing of being fruitful and multiplying becomes fraught with grief because humans continue to hurt each other to get their own blessing. And so after the fall, God curses the ground and instead of fruitfulness, there's famine. Instead of overseeing the world, humans work the land until they die. One more thing before moving on. 
to say that the realization of blessing and curses are only attributed to human behavior is too reductionistic. Um, do loyal Jesus followers receive all the blessing? Are those who suffer implicitly sinners? I won't go into it today, but the book of Job challenges us to think otherwise. Uh, Job's life trajectory of blessing, loss, suffering, and blessing enforces the nonlinear nature of God's providence despite a more linear reading of blessing and curses from Deuteronomy 28. So the whole idea is basically, no, they're not this input, that output. Um, it's not as simplistic as that. So next slide. So the second way that we experience blessing is when we bless God. Uh, typically, when we give thanks to God as a result of life, of flourishing, of favorable outcomes, uh, we acknowledge the blessing that we received, and we express gratitude through praise. And praising God is a form of blessing, though we don't often think of praise as blessing. We see it all the time in the book of Psalms. When the psalmist says, may God be blessed, he is praising God for his providence. And in writing the prayer as a psalm, he invites others to do the same. So as you read or hear the psalms, and the praises of God's people were encouraged to reflect and view our own life in light of God's handiwork. And so when we bless God, God is not helped or strengthened or made better off as if we could you know, increase God's goodness. Um, if God is the primal and inexhaustible blesser, then he must above all others be in a blessed state and uh, because he is the fullness and the source of all blessing. And so we don't bless God simply. Uh, so, so that is to say, God is blessed, um, and our response to his blessing is to bless God. Um, and moreover, we don't bless God just to get more blessing. That's not the point. Um, and instead, we praise God. Uh, but ironically, we praise God um, for our own good, to remind ourselves and each other in times of trouble of his faithfulness. So in Psalm 67, God lays out a vision for his blessing and its intended scope. First, God blesses his people. And second, God blesses his people so that the people will bless him. And when we look to our own experiences of blessing God and others' experiences of blessing God, we cling to the foreshadowing of good that God desires to achieve through us. So it's not a mistake that the Bible tells us to praise God in all circumstances regardless of whether we received any immediate gift. Um, it's for our own benefit that we practice the language of gratitude. Praising God should be found on the believer's lips, regardless of the current reality. Next slide. And then the third aspect or avenue for experiencing blessing is uh, man blessing man, or people blessing people. The third way in which we experience blessing is by blessing others. So God blesses us so that we can be his hands of blessings to others. And we can use what God has sown into our lives as a, mean for, as a means for the people of the world to bless him. So, so given that God is the primal, inexhaustible blesser, the source of all blessing, um, to pray a blessing over people is to join God in making known the song that heaven is already singing over all people, that they may see and know their chosenness, their belonging, their part in God's story, knowing the God in them and God with them. And so we, exam and so we see examples of this in three ways. Uh, sorry, there's a lot of threes. <laughs> but um, so we see three ways in which people bless people. Um, 
The first of which is greeting. Uh, the second of which is uh, imparting a legacy or a will. And then uh, the third is through a priestly blessing. So the first as a greeting, uh, blessings were used in the ancient Near East as a common greeting between people. Uh, for example, Boaz's greeting to his reapers in Ruth 2, the Lord be with you, and they replied, the Lord bless you. Uh, and then again, uh, Jacob and Pharaoh, so even people in different cultures, uh, met in Genesis 47, the meeting begins and ends with a blessing. And so these blessings are wishes or prayers for gods to bless the other, not in an effort to transfer human power to one another. And then the second way in which blessing is used in the Bible is uh, will and legacy. So blessings were used to describe an inheritance or a patriarchal wish. So this type of blessing was actually a common practice in the ancient Near East where blessings were given on the deathbed and those were functioning as a binding will. Um, you would inherit such and such person's estate, um, especially the father's. And so the eldest son would normally receive a double portion of wealth or land, but the father could easily overturn this norm by blessing the younger son with his wealth. And these blessings contain a legal element um, and also a prophetic element. And then lastly, it's the prophetic, uh, the priestly blessing. And so these blessings were given specifically by priests. An example of the priestly blessing can be found in number six. Among the responsibilities of the priest, the priest acts as a conduit for God's blessing. And although the mechanism for blessing are somewhat ambiguous, the priestly blessing stands out as a unique combination of blessing from God and a blessing uh, to one another. Okay, next slide. All right, so I'm going to just recap all of that. That was a lot. <laughs> so I'm going to quickly recap, and then we'll actually go into the meat of uh, the passage today. But um, so to recap a few points, and they're right here. So um, God blesses man. So blessings are oriented towards life. Uh, they're a foreshadowing of good. They're a vision of flourishing, a hope that originates from God. Um, blessings are not primarily about what God promises to do to someone. They're primarily about what God is going to do through someone. And as a result, we can pursue God's vision of flourishing by abiding in God or apart from God. Um, two, when we acknowledge that the blessings we, when we acknowledge the blessings that we've received, we express gratitude through praise. Uh, we look to our own experiences of blessing um, God and others' experiences of blessing God to cling to the foreshadowing of good that God desires to achieve through us. Um, and the blessing of God attracts other people, causing them to wonder in amazement. God's grace convinces people of how wonderful he is, leading them, leading them to acknowledge and believe in him. And so finally, uh, to pray a blessing over people is to join God in making known a song that heaven is already singing over people, that they may see and know their chosenness, their belonging, their part in God's story, knowing the God in them and God with them. All right. Now we'll go into the actual passage for today. So uh, a great example for understanding all of what we discovered uh, can be observed in the family of Abraham and the life of Jacob. In Genesis 12, uh, God chose to bless one couple, Abraham and Sarah, at the top. Uh, <laughs> um, and so at the age of 75, God places on Abraham's heart a vision of flourishing. 
that God would multiply his descendants as the stars in the sky, and that through his blessing on Abraham and his family, God's blessing can go to all the nations. But Abraham fails to trust God. Abraham attempted to realize this blessing without faith in God and by his own means, resulting in his son Ishmael. Um, and when God finally did work through Abraham and Sarah in Genesis 21, they named the son Isaac, which means laughter. God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh at me. And she added, who would, uh, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse the children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. When Isaac was 40, he married Rebekah. And despite Isaac's failing to remain uh, faithful to God, God continues to bless uh, continues the blessing of Abraham through Isaac. And when Isaac was 60, Rebekah gave birth to Jacob and Esau. And in each generation, God chooses to partner with this family despite their mistakes. He renews his promise to bless them and all the nations through them. And then we arrive at Abraham's grandson, Jacob, protagonist for today's sermon. Next slide. So before the birth of the sons, God promises Rebekah that the second-born son, Jacob, will rule over the first-born son. This is mentioned in Genesis 25. God chooses Jacob over Esau, a direct contradiction to the cultural practice of first-born sons receiving the father's estate. But despite Jacob's chosenness, Jacob was a treacherous lying snake, a liar from the womb. Um, Jacob's name means heel grabber and trickster, and it really suits him. Um, from the very beginning, Jacob and his twin brother Esau wrestle each other even within the womb. And story after story, we see him scheming, he lies, he deceives. Um, Jacob repeatedly tries to usurp his brother's blessing. Um, in Genesis 25, Jacob buys Esau's birthright with a bowl of stew. And later, Jacob and Rebekah scheme together to steal Esau's inheritance, uh, his blessing of the firstborn, with another meal ironically, uh, given uh, to Isaac to deceive him. So Jacob does everything he can to secure his own blessing in life. And as a result, he damages relationships and he ultimately ends up fleeing to save his own life. And ironically, the blessing that Jacob steals is the one that God destined for him all along. And so we step back and we realize his whole, his whole story is about his pursuit of God's blessing of flourishing through lying and through scheming, when all along God wanted to give him his blessing as a gift, prepared for him even before he was even born. And so this raises the question, what is God to do with the blessed liar, with the guy that won't trust in his abundance when God just wants him to receive? Next slide. After he deceives Isaac with Rebekah by giving him food uh, and takes Esau's blessing. Jacob flees and enters a 20-year period of exile, um, leaving home, basically escaping, fleeing, uh, leaving home to stay with his uncle Laban. And I, <laughs> it's funny because he leaves this environment to go to another. And then uh, for the next 20 years, Jacob and Laban keep tricking each other. Uh, Go figure. But um, Jacob's flocks, uh, but despite, and so the trickery is essentially uh, in Jacob taking the wives, but, and having to work uh, a lot. <laughs> but Jacob's flocks continue to multiply and he 
ended up with four wives, 12 sons, all evidence of God's blessing. But due to the way that he approached this, his wives are rivals, and so are his children. His family's divided and constantly hurting each other, and it all stems from Jacob's own failure to trust God. And so at the end of his exile, um, Jacob prepares, and that's the beginning of this passage, to meet his brother Esau. And he stays up all night scheming, and he thinks to himself, I'm going to send my wives and children ahead of him in reverse order of importance. And, I mean, he, this guy just can't help himself. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. And so, again, as per usual, he's just scheming. And then God shows up. And God wrestles with him. And in a sense, Jacob's wrestled with God his entire life. Um, this isn't the first instance of this. But this time, when Jacob wrestles God and demands a blessing, God wounds him. Um, God punches Jacob in the groin so hard that it knocks out his hip. Um, <laughs> out of all the parts of his body, uh, God hit him in the groin. The biological source of this fruitfulness. Yep, you have to think about that. Why the groin? Um, it's the part of his body in which Jacob can generate life, in which Jacob can generate his own blessing. So God knocks that out. And so we see the lengths that God will go to save us from ourselves, right? So most people would call that a low blow. They wouldn't <laughs> attempt it, but God does. So <laughs> we see an image of God having to both wound and heal in order to bless Jacob. To strike and to bless, to get humans to receive the thing that he just wishes that they could receive. And for the rest of his life, Jacob walks with a limp. And, I mean, the whole point of this is he is, in, he is an example of a wounded chosen one. And his story foreshadows a future wounded chosen one that gets described in Isaiah. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed, Isaiah 53. But unlike Jacob, this suffering servant is righteous, and his wounds are received on behalf of the sins of others so that through him, all nations would be blessed. Next slide. And so today, we're reminded that, much like Jacob, we are blessed already. The blessing is there for us, but we wrestle with God and with others, believing that we can seize blessing by our own hand. Um, but I urge you today to receive God's blessing and abide in him, to praise him for what he has done already, and to wait in anticipation for the good that will come. And so to close, I'm going to read uh, number six. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace so that they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Thank you. Let's all stand together and pray. Thank you, Paul. So if you have a friend that really needs God's touch in their life, you know what to pray for now. It's, a, it's biblical proportions, literally. But some have framed this... <clears throat> this idea of the wounded blessing as 
the idea of being broken in the right places. Tell someone next to you, being broken in the right places. Because being broken in the wrong places, you need to see, you know, Helen or psychotherapist, counselor. Being broken in the wrong places needs to align as well in the body and in the mind. <clears throat> but the goal Jacob had with God was, was one of the same. Prosperity and God's destiny for his life. And so your goal, whatever, how you ever you understand the idea of flourishing, is the same as God. And in fact, God, has, God is more committed to our flourishing than we are. The only difference in this whole passage in Genesis is the question of how. Tell someone next to you, how? So you want to be blessed, yes? You want to be a blessing, yes? But the, the wrestling is how. God says, give this person $10,000. No. Start wrestling. And God has to hit you below. Really, that's really the story, prophetic picture of the Christian life. We don't really give away until we're broken in that area. And we understand the pain of loss, pain of grief, the pain of poverty. The people who are most generous in the areas of blessing is being broken in the right places. So then the question I have for you today as we reflect on this passage is where are you broken? It could be anywhere. Where the enemy has attempted to destroy you, God has appointed to use you. Every ounce of tears, pain, and in many ways, humility. So today, will you lift your hands with me to the Lord? And I want you to wrestle, wherever you might be with God today, And I'm going to ask God to hit you in the right places. So that he can break you in the right places to align you. Because really, <clears throat> the only thing we're wrestling over is how. And so in the end, what is how about? One word. Trust control let's make this our prayer come and make my heart your own come and make my heart your own come and be Everything I am and all I know. Search me through and through. Search me through and through till my heart becomes a home for you.
heart would be So for the seeker, the wrestling is how do I define flourishing for my life? And I have these concepts of flourishing. And salvation, in many ways, is wrestling as well. Until we're morally broken and look at the interior life of the bankruptness of our lives, we won't surrender to God. Because you say, well, God, I have my own plans and my process and the fact that I have control in my journey toward my destiny and my destination is my way. I don't trust your way. And salvation, what that is in the end is surrender of my purpose, my destination, the process. And the only way that happens is being broken in the right places. For the believer, it's an issue of trust and control, that duality. Do I really trust God for the blessing? Paul said it. You're already blessed. When you came through your mother's womb, you were blessed. That's the only way you can come through that door. You were already blessed, and you were a really good swimmer, faster than the other ones. That's true. Just biological evolution, you were already blessed. But as we learn to make meaning of life, we begin to struggle for control and mastery. And we think we have to even control and manipulate others and God, like Jacob. To get what we want. Because we don't trust God like that in certain places. And so today, as we close, we tell God everything you don't trust Him about in your life. Not even because it's God, you go, well, God, I just don't trust me. And let that angst turn into this wrestling match where God comes, wounds you, and aligns you so that he can actually bless you. Because there are two things as we close today that you need to understand about the mess that we're in in the world. And the oil spill, literally, in the Middle East is this story. The Middle East, they're all related. Divided by this line between land and blessing and family. It's never been cleaned up to be reminded of this story. But Jacob's name is changed after he's broken to what? To Israel. A scheming, broken, blessed person. 
Everybody raise your hand if that's who you are. A scheming, broken, rest person. Yes, that's me. That's the good news of the gospel. A broken, scheming, blessed person is who you are. That's our identity, being redeemed by the grace and the goodness of God. It's not a matter of if. It's when you realize that's salvation, that's sanctification, that's healing. So today, let's pray. Not for the blessing, but to surrender the trust and control we have over our own lives and our own vision. And trust the process. That God's story for you and me is good and for not only our good but for the flourishing of the world and the people around us so what does it take that in the end submission to that blessing his way surrender to his purpose through his process So you bow our heads for the benediction. So let's do the Old Testament blessing today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Someone actually told me this is their favorite blessing, so I stopped doing it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> May the Lord's face shine upon you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And I pray that you as both seeker and believer would come under the shalom of God and that rest and that peace and that flourishing under the tree of God and the garden of the Lord will carry forth and bless many more all God's people pray amen God bless you go in peace So glad to see you all here. My name is Haley, and I'm a member here at 180 Church, and I will be sharing some community news with you. First off, let's talk about tithes and offering. If you're a member here at 180 Church, we ask that you continue to keep God at the center of your finances and to tithe faithfully, which you can do using Venmo, Zelle, Chase QuickPay, or PayPal. If you're a visitor here with us today, we welcome you to our service and there's no financial obligation to give. But if you'd like to make a donation, you can do so with the methods above. Next, we have Bible Reading Group. We have an Instagram handle and a Tumblr page at 180BRG where you can join us at any time to read the Bible. Feel free to follow along and feed your soul with the Word of God. Next, there are devotionals on sale at the 180 Cafe. They're great to help you get in the habit of praying and connecting with God every day. Sometimes I find it hard to find, form the words to pray, but these devotionals have been so helpful and inspirational. They're available at the 180 Cafe and it's an honor system. So you can purchase them via Venmo or QuickPay. Speaking of prayers, we have our prayer hotline. 
We invite you to use this resource to ask for prayer for anything or anyone in your life, and it's completely confidential. You can text 5397-PRAYER or email prayer at 180church.tv and know that there will be a team praying for you on the other end. Prayers are so powerful, and I can't tell you how many times my prayers were heard and answered. So I want to encourage you to get out there and pray and ask for prayer. For where two or three are gathered in his name, God is with them. Yes. So let's talk about social media. There, these are the ways you can stay connected with us throughout the week. We have several media outlets from Facebook to Instagram to Dr. Sammy's Twitter page and even our YouTube page. We are very active on social media and there are multiple ways to share the message with your friends and family and also stay connected in the community. Let's not forget about our YouTube live stream. We know that things pop up and it's not always possible to physically attend Sunday service, but not to worry because Sunday service is being live streamed weekly on YouTube, so you never have to miss another service. So say hello to the YouTube viewers. Hello. And it's also a great way to share the gospel with friends and family. Next up is small groups. Small groups are a great way to process what you heard on Sundays with brothers and sisters along the journey of faith. We know that no one is meant to do faith alone and small groups have been an amazing way to know that we are in this together. It's also a great way to um, get to know each other, grow deeper in, with, in relationship with each other and reflect and apply sermons to our daily lives. And honestly, it's so much fun. I look forward to it every week to meet with the group and you know, we just have fun doing life together. So that's great. Um, adult groups meet on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Young adult groups meet on Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. College Fellowship meets on Mondays at 7.30. And if you need any additional info, please speak to any of the greeters in 180 shirts or hoodies. Now, this is the exciting one. Are you, are you guys ready? Okay, I, I want to introduce 180 merch, okay? I know, you've been all waiting for this. It's not exclusive anymore. You can purchase your 180 merch at the 180 Cafe. There's a variety of tops in different fabulous colors, all donning the stylish 180 um, emblem and other cool designs. Like some of them have like cool designs on the back. Not mine, but others. Um, so you can get one of those. Uh, after service, you can head straight to the 180 Cafe to purchase your new 180 shirt, hoodie, or sweatshirt. And they can be purchased with the same honor system as the devotionals. If you have any questions, you can speak to our merch designer, Andy, wherever he is. Oh, uh, he's in the back. There he is. Um, and he can help you. And I can't wait to twin with all of you once you purchase your merch. Okay, next we have Day in the Sun. Our next Day in the Sun will be on May 15th at 12.30 p.m. We will be meeting at the East Pintum in Central Park. So be on the lookout for an email to RSVP. Let's pray for beautiful May weather and an awesome time of fellowship. Also, let's start thinking about the people in our lives who we can invite and share the good news with. Uh, now, for those of you with the heart to serve or feel like you're being led to serve, we have children's ministry. We need volunteers to serve, love, and teach our church's youngest members. They are really doing meaningful and soul-filling work there. My children are learning that they are God's treasures. 
like I told you last time. And also my daughter always gets super excited for Sunday school. She says, oh, she loves Sunday school. So they're having a good time there. Um, they are building relationships and growing up in this community feeling loved and known. And that's really special. So if you want to be friends with our community's littlest members and be loved by me and other parents, go see Michelle Kim or Pastor Lydia for more details. Next, we have cafe volunteers. Coffee brings me so much joy, and I know it brings you guys joy too. So you can share some joy by serving up a cup of coffee before service. No barista skills are required. So if you want to serve or impress people with your latte art, please see Danny O or Wendy Lee for more details. And lastly, we have greeting volunteers. Who doesn't love a friendly face when they walk in? I know everybody does. And if you want to be that friendly face that brings smiles and makes people feel welcomed, this is for you. If you're interested, please see Danny O or Wendy Lee for more details. Now those are all of our announcements we have today.